Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews is all the way toward the end of the Bible. If you've been around the Bible a little bit, you might think Hebrews, that sounds like an Old Testament book, but it's actually a New Testament book. Chapter 10, you can find in a paper Bible, or if you want to use your phone, that's fine too. To get us going, there's a pretty common question we ask each other, we ask each other and it's this. Come up on this, how's it going? Right? We say, hey, how's it going? And uh, if we go to any depth with our answer, I think what happens is we kind of quickly, like this, we shift through different categories of life in our mind. So someone says, how's it going? We quickly think of, well, physically, okay, okay, I'm up, and that's good. Or some of you young people might think, physically, I'm amazing. We're we're happy for you. Um, But we think of, like, physically. We think of financially. We think, how am I doing? Oh, wait, I'm paying my bills. Okay, I'm doing okay there. Uh, We might think spiritually, how's my relationship with God? How am I doing in my soul? One of the things that will probably come to mind and greatly, greatly affect our answer on how's it going is relationships. Yeah? Um, you may have heard the term, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, or whatever, whatever that thing, have you ever heard that? Why is that? Well, that's because we're all like because we're connected, and it can affect everybody. Uh, the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I think I was trying to be funny or something, and one of my family members just asked me this on the screen. Let's put it up on the screen. And I'm, it must have been a bad day, but I remember feeling a little stung by that, and it hurt my feelings. And, and they didn't even know that they hurt my feelings. But that little thing right there at the beginning of the day, six, that little six-second friction, because I kind of wanted to go, well, I'm not weird, you're weird. <laughs> you know how that, you get that relational friction thing? Six seconds of relational friction probably affected my whole day because that's the power, either good or bad, of how our relationships are doing. That's the point. This will be on the screen. Our relational health has a huge impact on our life. Agree? Yeah. One conflict at work can suck the energy out of the office. An estranged son or daughter or parent can have lasting impact. A romantic breakup or divorce often is accompanied by months of pain, sometimes years of pain. It's just a big deal. Shifting here, that is why our loving God, our compassionate Father, speaks and directs so much information in this book about how to do relationships well. Um, you may not realize this, but uh, of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, we'll put them up on the screen, at least half of them have to do with 
how we relate to each other. They're connected to relationship. Uh, number five, honor your father and your mother. That's a relationship uh, command. You shall not murder. Murder will affect your relationships. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this guy's brilliant. Yeah. I'm... You shall not commit adultery. Sexual sin, that affects how we're doing with each other. You shall not steal is, is arguably about what you, how you treat other people's things. You shall not bear false witness, lying. It's all so much of this stuff is relationship. The rest of the Bible is filled with directions on how parents should treat their children, how children can honor and should honor their parents. There are parables about being honest and fair and loving and forgiving. I think this is also highlighted by Matthew 22, where Jesus was asked by a man, what is the greatest commandment? He's only asking for one. He's like, give it to me straight. I just want to know the greatest commandment. What's the one thing? And Jesus answered, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And Jesus does not limit it to one. That's the command about the relationship with God. But to me, it feels like Jesus says, I know you only asked for one, but I have to give you the second one. And it has to do with love your neighbor as yourself, which is this relationship side of life. So hold that thought. We are kicking off a five-week series on relationships. It's called Friendology, Doing Relationships God's Way, and our plan is to explore some of God's wisdom uh, in relationships. And the hope for the next five weeks is that the next time someone asks us, how's it going? We might go through all the categories and the relationship side of life will be good. Uh, and some of us might be doing well now, but most all of us could probably say it could be better. Um, so this, by the way, this is one of those series that is probably a great series to invite a friend to because just generally speaking, we could all use more help and wisdom and encouragement regarding relationships. So if you've, had, if you've got that uh, non-Christian friend or Christian friend and you're like, you've been waiting for a great uh, reason or opportunity to invite them to church, might be a great time. Uh, I, I promise as best I can, I will... Try to make the uh, messages, Pastor Steve will also be speaking, we'll try to make them applicable, whether you know a lot about God or not very much at all. Does that make sense? Thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> do I, I probably need to talk, or do I need to preach on that? How do you know that Jesus didn't come just for us? Right? And I'm so grateful for people who recognized my need for relationship with God and risked inviting me to church some years back. So let's be those people. All right, today uh, we're going to start with a section that includes our theme verse, Hebrews 10. Uh, basically, this, is a, this section has some direction on relationship with God, and then the last two verses have some practical things for how we can do relationships well. Here, So it starts in verse 19, we'll begin, it says, Therefore, 
Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Now that might be difficult, like what's that talking about? That's a reference to Jesus' death on the cross given so that the door can be opened to relationship with God. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here's the command in here, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Okay? Let's go to verse 24. And, this is the relationship side for us, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's go back to verse 24 again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The title of the talk is Friendship on Purpose, and I want to explore two principles in the text that will help us have uniquely successful relationships. Would you stand? We're going to pray about the rest of the talk today, and we're going to pray for the next five weeks. Father, I think all of us would enjoy, benefit from even better relationships than we have right now. Some of us might, might be in a season of admitting, oh God, we need help. And so we invite you to teach us and empower us today and over the next five weeks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. Thanks for praying. You may be seated. Two ideas from the text today. The first one is this. A uniquely successful relationship is about making each other better. Now, if I hadn't put that up on the screen, we might be thinking, well, relationships are about making each other happy. But our text goes deeper than that. In verse 24, it says, let us consider, in other words, let us think about how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A couple concepts there. The first one is spur one another on. Uh, picture will come up on the screen. Cowboy boots with spurs. Right? Uh so the imagery in the text is we should consider how we can spur one another on. Spurs, I'm not a big, you know, horse guy, but I've seen spurs. I don't think I've ever worn spurs. But I know a little bit about what they're there for. They're there to help direct and nudge the horse in the right direction. Side note, if you're skilled horse person, pretty sure of this, spurs are not there to gouge the 
crap out of the horse. Does that make sense? A skill like that's not, yeah, ah, ah, that's a, a skill, right? It has an edge, but, they, but it's not used to, right? You're not supposed to draw blood, that kind of a thing. So that's one concept, this nudging or spurring. Another, by the way, another translation says, can, let us consider how we can stimulate or provoke, okay? And then the other idea is we're provoking each other, should be toward love and good deeds. Here's what those words, the definition of those in the original language. It's love, benevolence, goodwill. Good deeds is, oh, I like this. We're supposed to nudge each other toward what is beautiful, honorable, or even noble. I want to pause with that idea for just a sense of, for me anyway, uh, to recalibrate part of the purpose of friendships and relationships. Because I think it's easy. Well, uh, so here's a question that will come up on the screen. What do I think relationships are all about? And oftentimes, our quick response might be something less deep or important as this, let's sharpen each other. Here's a picture up on the screen of a bunch of people I'm in relationship with. My family and uh, son-in-law, daughter-in-law. And when I think of our relationships, sometimes I think, oh, we're just there for joy or hobby or romance and what this verse challenges me to do is go deeper with that and realize part of why we're together is to sharpen each other and make each other more noble is another way to think about it. So here's the idea and a fill in the blank. God's design for relationships is beyond just feeling good. Good feelings are wonderful, but it's not just about making each other happy, it's about making each other better. It's not just about fun, it's about maturity. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I was thinking back to like the, the boots with the spurs. If our relationships are just, if you, you know, had a little spur, if it's just scratching an itch, like I'll, you know, I'll scratch your back and you scratch mine, there's something better than just that. Uh, another verse, Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you, it doesn't say you just keep applauding them anyway and encouraging them no matter what. It says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. In other words, acknowledging they have, they're not being all that they could and should be. They're better than that, and we should be people who help them get there. Does that make sense? No? We should restore 
Uh, random thought. The bi- yeah, uh-oh. Somebody said, uh-oh. <laughs> the Bible says when he created us, he created us in the image of God. Part of our job as friends is we should help each other be more like the image of God. That's the point. Another section to explore in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Spiritual leader, his name is Paul. He's writing to spiritual friends. He's challenging them. He says to this group, he's writing a letter and he says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's Wife, And the way I imagine Paul writing this and thinking about this is, what the heck are my friends doing? What are my Christian friends doing? This is the kind of stuff that not even unholy, crazy people are doing. Some guy is sleeping with his father's wife. Excuse me. And then this is the part that has captured me for years. He says, and you are proud? In other words, this is messed up. Someone is apparently like, yeah, man, did you hear what Frank's doing? <laughs> He's sleeping with his dad. Woo! That guy's, he, he rocks. No, he doesn't. No rocking here. This is not good. This is like he's going, obviously, what the heck are we doing? Now, I'm, I'm adding my thoughts to what I think. He, he's going, what kind of friends are you? that you would celebrate another person's bad behavior, sinful behavior. Someone needs to get in there and help that guy because God did not create him to be that. God's created him to be better than that. That's the kind of good friendships we need in our lives. Someone who'll do that for us. So, trying to make each other better. Here's some questions for some of us that will apply to specific relationships that we're in, I think. So those of us that are married, here's a good question. Am I helping my spouse get or be better? Now, please don't take that as permission for some of us. I've always wanted to work on my spouse. (laughs) And now the pastor said, go for it. I don't think that's the spirit of what we're talking about here. But if you're in a covenant relationship, how about having to sit down and say, you know what, even if this is new to us, let's, let's agree that we'll try to make each other better. And every once in a while, I want you to speak into my life when I'm missing it. And I'll, does that make sense? By the way, we're doing a resilient marriage conference coming up, a Friday night and a Saturday. We'll talk about practical ways to, uh, I know I'm going to do one of the sessions. We'll talk about practical ways to make a marriage last and, uh, and, and, and be an exceptional uh, marriage. Another side note, those of you that are, are uh, I usually typically, typically think of young people, might be thinking of getting married someday, exploring romance. As you explore those kind of relationships, consider, does this person make me better? And are they willing and want to become better themselves? Get that as a foundation 
in your exploration of romance. Because it'll, it'll take you to a whole nother level. It will serve you the rest of your life. You will be more in the image of God. You'll be a noble person. Be careful. So that was the marriage kind of thing. Parents, here's a question. Am I training my child with adulthood in mind? Am I training, am I, am I training them? Am I trying to make them good at doing life as an adult? Don't train them just, don't say, oh, well, they're pretty good for a five-year-old. Keep working with them so that they'll develop mature skills. I'm going to dig into this a little bit. Just so you know, mature people, grown-ups, go to work even if they have a headache. So how is our... Some people are like, no, they don't. Okay. <laughs> we, we would like to pray for you and help you grow into... But mature people do what needs to get done even though there's some reasons not to. So with the parent thing, are we planting that into our children so that they are required and asked to do some things when there's, yes, there's a, a reason that makes it a little bit harder, but do it anyway. We need to help them develop those skills. Another idea, <laughs> this is, some of us are still bombing at this. Adults clean up after themselves. Like, no, they don't. Yet, we would be better. I just had a picture of my, my wife saying to me, she may grab this video clip and show me, Mark, clean up after yourself. You, But are we working at responsibility for our children, helping them so that when they're adults, they can function in, a, you don't like any of this stuff. <laughs> Here's one, adults keep their word even if it's hard. That's what mature people do. They say, I told you I would do it, and I will do it. That's what mature people do. So as parents, let's be planting the seed and challenging them and helping them navigate those skills now so that as they get older, they'll not end up living in our basements until they're 40. Amen? There's six people right now that just went, how does he know? in your basement. It's in your basement. Uh, friendships. This is real quick. Am I hanging with anyone that challenges me? I hope you have a friend. If you don't, try to expand your friend group so that you have somebody in there that you're close enough with that challenges you and is honest with you and sharpens you. All right, so that's the first idea is a uniquely successful relationship is about making each other better. One side note before to point, we go to point number two. This is arguably, this point number one is why we should all cling to Jesus, run to Jesus, make him our best friend. Cling to the Spirit of God, because he is a God who loves us enough where we're at and challenges us enough to make us noble. One of the great benefits of relationship with God. Second idea is a uniquely successful relationship is about committing to the long term. In our text, in verse 25, sorry, I'll slow down, long term. Verse 25 says, not giving up meeting together, 
as some are in the habit of doing. So apparently, there's a significant number of people that are in this Christian community that have a habit of coming for a little while and then not showing up. It, by the way, this word habit, it means a custom or habit. It's a fixed social pattern. And I think for us, here's how it works. We will start a friendship or relationship, but as soon as it's not to our advantage, then we just, it's a fixed social pattern. We go, yeah, I'm done with that, right? It's not benefiting me now, or you did this to hurt my feelings, and then we too quickly just quit with relationships that should be deeper and longer lasting than that. So here's where we're heading. God challenges us to be uniquely committed when many people are just not. They're just not. God challenges us to be uniquely committed when many people are just not. Up on the screen is a picture of uh, my accountability partner. His name is Brian Earl. He's really active in the church. He's teaching this weekend back in children's ministry. He's on the board of the church. And uh, it's one of the mornings that we had breakfast together. Uh, and, but here's how accountability, my, it works for uh, Brian and I in our accountability uh, relationship. We do breakfast. Usually it's almost, it's almost always been a Saturday morning. We'll do breakfast. Sometimes we'll do breakfast outside. Uh, most of the time we go to a restaurant. So we eat, and uh, then we talk about life, all kinds of areas of life. At the end of the time, we usually go out, we sit in the car, and we confess our sins to each other, and we pray for each other. That's how accountability works in our friendship. What's been unique about, I think, Brian and my relationship is we've been doing this for over 15 years now. And I didn't realize how long we have been doing this. And I use that to just confess to you the incredible benefit of having a friend that has not quickly quit. And here's the, here's the thing. Brian had, knows enough about me that he, sh he could legit say, you're a mess, and I am done eating bacon with you. Like, does that make sense over, because we, he knows, because we confess our sins to each other, and then we pray for each other, and so I'm, I just use that as example, as maybe for us to pursue in friendships, there's this something to go deeper than just high for a little while. Let me give you a couple ideas. These benefits of having more stamina in relationships. The, the first one is this. Long-term relationships grow us. They grow us. They make us better people. If someone knows you well, they know your gifts and what you're equipped to do, and they can call that out. They also know your weaknesses, and they can call that out and say, they know your tendencies, and they can say, I know what you're thinking, and you're going to, don't do that. Remember? 
We prayed about that. Don't do that. I know you want to do that. Don't do that. Uh, I'll give you a little side theory on this. I think it's one of the reasons, if you're, if you're considering, especially if you're young and you're considering uh, or resistant to making a covenant of the covenant of marriage, please, please rethink it. The covenant of marriage will grow us up. Because over time, it will make us face issues and things and don't quit at that point. Just decide you're going to get better <laughs> at that point and help each other grow. Didn't like that either. <laughs> one of the, okay, well, since I can just talk, one of the things that is not helping our culture at all is three-year marriages, six-year marriages, people quit, and we're not growing up. So we have 40, 50, 60 years old people who are still doing the same stupid things we did when we were 23 because we haven't endured enough. God's connected us to people, but we quickly run away when God's put us in places where by now we would have grown up if we didn't just run away when things get difficult. So there. No, do you know what I mean? But I think we have to be part of a group of people that decide I'm going to endure longer than a week or two or three days, or I'm going to be different than someone who just lives together for a while because, you know, it may not work anyway. How about we decide we're going to be a covenant-making people like our covenant-making God? Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm moving on. Here's another reason to go to be long-term in relationships because, and this will come up on the screen, long-term relationships represent God. God's a long-term God. He will not leave you or forsake you because you screw up this afternoon. Woo! Aren't you glad? Are you not glad? I am so glad. And we live in a world, I'm getting excited all of a sudden about this preaching thing. We live in a world where other people need to have a human being that has more stick-to-it-tiveness so that they might believe maybe there is a God who will not quit on me because there's a person who is representing that to them. Does that make sense? That's, a, like, that's helpful. So we live in a world where people are dumping each other right and left. This does not have to do with romance. This is even friendships. And some people need to see someone who cares longer than a day and a half or a year and a half. No idea where I am. Word picture on the power of us representing God's faithfulness to other people. I've used this before, but it's a pretty easy word picture. Five-year-old wakes up because there's a raging storm outside, thunder and lightning, and he's scared. And so he calls out to his mom. His mom comes in to comfort him. She's getting ready to leave again and go back to bed. But she, he says, will you stay with me? And mom says, now you know... We've been talking about this. You're not alone. God is with you. He's always with you. He's in your heart. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And the boy says, I know, I know. But right now I could use someone with skin. <laughs> and just there's power, which is true, right? There's power in us representing God to people. So uh, as we get ready 
to close here, here's a challenge from this point. Pick a few people, just a few people, to be their forever friend or forever-ish. And you can't do this with 100 people, probably, by the way. But could we pay attention to the Spirit of God and carve out, confess to a few people and commit to them long-term and say, if, if, you, if you need something, seriously, I'm there for you, right? You just call out my name, sing it with me, and you know wherever I am. Young people don't know this song. I'll come running. We've lost all control. See you again. Okay. Dang, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Let's recap. A uniquely successful relationship is about making each other better and committing to the long term. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.